Yeah. That would be that funny. Would yeah, when he when he's when he's talking too much, we we apply the ball gag. That and, would uh, be some content right there. That would. It would definitely get clicks. I'm sure. And I that. Could spit roast you in my dreams. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got the question concerning technology. I believe it's a lecture. Uh, oh, I didn't check the date. Did you check the dates? I think it was f- early fifties. I think it's right in the first footnote. Fifty-three. I think, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds right. It used to be called the inframing, I think, and then the, the title got changed because it is about inframing. I don't mm. know if you guys heard, but apparently Heidegger was a Nazi. That came out at some point. Wait, Wait what? Really? What? Stop. <laughs> anyway, by the time he was writing this essay, he had been canceled. Cancel culture is not new. Uh, what's that movement? The denazification. De- I think he was called a denazification committee. He was called a mitlaufer, which was uh, people who are not charged with Nazi crimes, but who were too involved to be allowed to continue working. So he wasn't allowed to work in the university after that. And that's kind of where this article comes out of. Allegedly, uh, I'm not sure if this is true because I've heard different stories. He tried to commit suicide uh, after going before the denazification committee because he felt that his reputation was ruined uh oddly enough uh it was probably a bunch of jewish leftists uh or aligned uh who did a lot more to rebuild uh, his reputation than anything else uh people actually heidegger was really remorseful after um he went on a celebrity apology tour shook hands like pleaded with all of his jewish friends to forgive him um they vouched for him is none that of, that, none of that's, that's true. Yeah, no, 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 he didn't even ap- he didn't apologize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he came close. Didn't he come close at one point? Kind of saying like he. In Der Spiegel, he said that he had made a mistake in interpreting the epoch of being and yeah. seeing Nazism uh, as a kind of countervailing force to the technical era. Now he acknowledged that it was just one more symptom uh, of civilizational decline, and people pointed out that. That's not really an apology so much as it's an intellectual rationalization. Uh, who who was it who he went? He went, on a, he went and had a meeting with and a long walk with uh, some other philosopher. And the philosopher came away from it saying if he had apologized, we could still be friends, but we can't. Do you I, I don't know. That story? I haven't heard that one. There's a few people I know who adopted that outlook. Um, Hannah Arendt, obviously they were lovers before, met him in a cafe after the war. And they kind of patched things up, but she said the same thing. He never apologized and he more or less just said, I didn't know what I was doing. You know me, I'm not into politics. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, well, (laughs) you should have maybe paid a little bit more attention to that. Uh, But, you know, she kind of went 50% back on his side and wrote a few articles talking about the importance of his work, uh, even if the spark was gone. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, so dubious moral character, and he had a very questionable taste in pins, at the very least. Uh, terrible taste also in... Uh, Lapel pins. Terrible taste in outfits also. Yeah, that's a bad one. The thing that I find interesting, though, is this piece in particular is profoundly anti-Nazi in my reading. Like, knowing nothing about Heidegger outside of this text, this sounds very profoundly anti-Nazi from someone who was a member of the party. 10 years before. Yeah. In what way? Fascism and Italian Italian fascism in particular had an entire art movement behind it called uh, futurism, which was this glorification of machines, glorification mm. of war. They put it in their paintings. They it, it influenced architecture. 
Um, I don't think that was as much a part of the Germans. You know, the Germans aren't good at painting. Pretty different, pretty different kinds of fascism, both of them. Um, uh, like Italian fascism is pretty different. Um, but like, I, I see what you're saying. But you still I, I, have the, the the war machine, the war cult, uh, the technology, like, you know, the, the architecture that Hitler was planning to build for his uh, a thousand year Reich. All of that seems diametrically opposed to this view of technology as being something that is concealing being from us and will trap us here forever and spells the existential doom of humanity. But isn't yeah. the isn't the like point like isn't it an oversimplification though to say that this this essay is really against technology because it seems more of a comment on what technology is doing. So it's kind of like descriptive and observational about like what it's doing to our capacity to kind of uh, come into contact with being with the process of being unfolding itself. But at the same time, I thought that there's a part in there where he says, you know, it's not about getting rid of technology or embracing it. Both of those would be like a kind of technological metaphysics, but rather to make sure that technology is functioning in a way that attends to being. Um, that serves it in a way. So I, I, like, I guess you. Yeah. And in the end, he does say this, the essence of technology contains within it the saving power as well. It'll return man to their essence or things to their essences. Uh, but, you know, I'd go even further and just say, you know, the, the whole question of whether he's for or against technology or thinking it's good or bad is is irrelevant and should be taken out of the equation because that's something you have to sort of decide for yourself on your own you know in the world do in your, your own, own life. research it's not really what i <laughs> yeah do your i that means google but really uh heidegger's doesn't seem to be making that kind of assessment here he's making a very different point so that kind of good or bad thing is completely irrelevant in my reading of this we can say that he doesn't make the case here but it's hidden here, or maybe not even so hidden, but this combined with the Dear Spiegel interview, Only a God Can Save Us, means that he thinks this technological attitude towards being, when it's the only one we have, means that thinking is over. And it means, by extension, poetry is over. And it means those things that used to make us human are over. And in that sense, say, it's a loss. It's not a good thing. I should say also, just to contextualize this, that uh, some of the other pieces he published around this time, even in this collection, uh, make a lot of references to the atomic era. Because uh, this wasn't so long after Hiroshima and Nagasaki when atomic weapons were literally used to incinerate human beings. So the question concerning technology and what it's going to be used for did have a lot more directly existential kind of parameters at that time period when people quite legitimately saw themselves as being faced with potential nuclear destruction in a way that I think a lot of us in the 21st century outside of watching Terminator movies can't really appreciate. Um, just on the political point, uh, I think there's some interesting things to bring up here, which is that, to Pills's point, uh, initially he did seem to see Nazism as a countervailing force uh, to the ascendancy of the technological era. There's this kind of interesting comment in Introduction to Metaphysics where he describes the German civilization as being like the Greek civilization uh, and standing astride Russia and America, who are metaphysically the same, both committed to this kind of technological mindset that has its genealogy in Descartes. Uh, later on, uh, he says he was mistaken in that. Uh, and I think Zizek made a good point in the Tickler subject where he said, what's really disappointing, and this is to Pills' point, is that he didn't realize that maybe, just maybe, the Holocaust is like a perfect example 
of this instrumentalization of people uh, and transforming them uh, into mere objects uh, that can be manipulated however it is that you want it. Uh, and it would have been almost a perfect segue for him to say, see, I was wrong. Nazism is actually emblematic of what I'm talking about. Here's the Holocaust as case one. And the fact that he never did that is kind of disappointing uh, since it could have done a lot to redeem his thinking uh, in the eyes of a lot of us in the political community, right? Because it seems so tempting just to say the Holocaust is a consequence of a lot of the things he's talking about here. I mean, if you look at, you know, German rearmament after World War One, and it really gets, gets into full swing in the early 30s, um, you'd think that his arguments about technologization would apply to that as well, considering they were massively expanding their industrial capabilities, at first in secret, in violation of the Treaty of Versailles. You'd think that that would factor in. But maybe, maybe that's why... I think like because to Pills's initial point about how he was reading this as kind of anti-fascist, the reason I guess I wasn't quite sure is because I was thinking maybe the way then he perceived that the way the Nazis were using technology was somehow attending to that poetic essence uh, of being um, potentially. I mean, this is speculative, but I'm just saying it's not clear to me that this is. I think he was in the sense that the Nazi mythology had around it, you know, this German Volk coming out of the black forest with his little pants on cutting down trees. That's kind of the mythology aspect of it. Whereas the material aspects of, you know, building up a rearmament had nothing to do with that. Yeah. And this is a point that Sir Richard, uh, as Victor pointed out, Revens points out in his three volumes of the third Reich philosophers like to interpret an interview with him, right? Yeah. We did interview him. Yeah. We had a night on the podcast. We did, yeah. And um, people can go back and look at it. But I mean, Evans points out that philosophers tend to like to interpret Nazism philosophically, uh, which almost inadvertently means they give it a kind of intellectual consistency, since that's what philosophers like. And he points out that it was first and foremost a, p- a political movement, uh, and also that Hitler was crazy. So he wasn't all that concerned with whether all this went together consistently. God, his, but Sir Richard Evans, with all due respect to him, though, he had almost zero capacity to like, think about theory or philosophy like he was so fixated on just like being like well this is the history and like the factual claims about history was uh, as a historian i guess would like that's all he seemed capable of doing i completely 100 agree but just it's a really quick point one of the things about this is that not being a philosophy meant that nazism could be a lot of things to a lot of people Uh, so people could read into it a kind of futurism and there are aspects of the nazi program and nazi rhetoric that would allow them to kind of make that interpretation plausibly uh, and then if you wanted to be a kind of reactionary Luddite uh, who didn't like uh, kind of Americanism and Sovietism, there was elements in it that you could read that into it as well. Um, it was kind of a catch-all ideology that had a lot of different prongs to it. I don't think Heidegger's a light. Maybe we should talk about standing reserve. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, to about- approach the weeds without getting into them, I guess the question is, what is technology, right? <laughs> what is the questioning concerning technology? What is yes. the way we should pay heed to to bring out the essence of technology, modern and all technology, anything? If you look it up on Wikipedia, on the, under the entry of machine, it included hat for a while. A hat is a machine. What is technology? <laughs> I think well, the first be- question that we have to ask, I'll, I'll break these into his questions by the uh, oft quoted or oft cited pieces of this text. The main one at the beginning is the essence of technology is nothing technological. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? 